This is our seventh session on 1 Thessalonians 5.12-22, and I'm going to preach to myself here. <laughs> oh my, 75 years old and still working on being a patient husband, patient father, a patient friend, a patient employee. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we urge you to do what? One, admonish the idle. Two, encourage the faint-hearted or the small-souled. Three, help the weak. And now, in this session, be patient with all of them. Father, this is a great gift, a great evidence of your grace in our lives. And so I ask that by the power of the Spirit, you would make us patient in our admonitions and patient in our encouragements and patient in our helpfulness, patient with all. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is not a small thing when Paul says, be patient with them all, because in 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter, remember? Quoted at a lot of weddings. Love is patient. That's the very first thing. That's the same word as in 1 Thessalonians. But look, in these few verses where he tells what love is, he doesn't just say it once. He says something like this, patient, literally long-suffering. I think the old King James says, love suffers long, suffers long, and is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not seek its own. So that's the opposite of patience, to seek your own. I'm, I'm trapped in this line. I need to get there. I don't like not getting my way. I'm very angry. That's not patience. It's demanding your own. It is not easily irritated. There it is again. I'm so quick to be irritated. That's not patience. Does not keep an account of being wrong. There it is again. Isn't it? It's just amazing that almost all of these are unpackings of patience. Doesn't keep an account of wrongs. Like, okay, that's five times, ten times you've done that, and I'm out of patience. It does not rejoice at uh, unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things. There it is again. Love believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. There it is again. My goodness. Patience is right at the heart of what it means to be a loving person. And it makes sense, doesn't it? Like, if we're called upon to uh, admonish the idle and keep on doing it, encourage the faint-hearted and keep on doing it, and help the weak and keep on doing it, we can't have a short fuse, <laughs> right? I mean, these people will drive us crazy. Oops. So the idle people, the faint-hearted people, the, the people that are weak, 
weak, faint-hearted, idle. They'll just drive us crazy and we'll pull our hair out and we'll lose all patience and we won't be able to help anybody anymore. We won't encourage anybody anymore. We won't admonish lovingly anybody anymore because we're out of patience. So you see how integral patience is to this kind of ministry of love. If if you have a short fuse and you're bent on getting your own way and all of your plans have to stay in place every day and never get adjusted because the faint-hearted got in your way and the weak got in your way and the idle got in your way, you will not be able to do this, and this is the way we are supposed to be. So how in the world, then, are we going to become this kind of people because we're not born this way? I mean, there are personality types, are there not, who seem laid back and they hardly get ruffled by anything. And then there are other personality types that get angry so quickly with really short fuses. I acknowledge all of that natural difference. I'm talking about real spiritual patience where wherever you are, God has taken you further. How does that happen? Colossians 1. I pray, I pray that you will be strengthened with power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Patience comes from being strengthened with power according to God's glorious might. You might think, well, that's overkill. No, it's not, because this is the hardest thing in the world. A human ego subordinating its own way to patiently accept God's detours is a miracle of global proportions. It's harder to do that in a human soul than to split the Red Sea with the snap of his finger. It takes supernatural strength, supernatural power, supernatural might. Where does that supernatural enabling come from? Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. It's a fruit of the Spirit. We must have the Holy Spirit. If this patience is to have spiritual, Christ-exalting significance, it comes from the Christ-exalting Spirit. And how does the Spirit of God move in the souls of his people? Here's the way Hebrews 6 puts it. We desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope to the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So it seems to me that this hope in these promises are the underpinning of this patience. Faith, understood as hope in these promises, gives you the patience to minister the way you should and endure to the end. So I'm saying the Holy Spirit bears the fruit of patience in your life as he focuses your faith on the promises and awakens undaunted hope. You're able to last and survive through all kinds of frustrations in ministry and in life. One more text. 
really at the heart of the matter in patience is believing that every obstacle to your plan for the day, to your desire for the day, is a stepping stone to something good, oops, stone that God has planned for you. You see an obstacle, and by faith, you say, no, it's not an obstacle. It is a stepping stone to something. I don't know what it's going to be, but I trust God. Or another way to put it would be, we must believe that every detour is designed, designed by God for our good. And really believe that. And here's the text. Remember that the brothers of Joseph sold him into slavery, and for 13 years at least, he had no idea what God was up to. It was a long detour. I've sometimes graphed it like this, and here's where he becomes the vice president of Egypt, and here's where he's sold into slavery. And it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. This lasts at least 13 years. And I've sometimes asked people, where are you on this graph in your life? Things have gone bad. No, they've gone worse. No, they've gone worse. God has forgotten me. He has not forgotten. He never, never, never forgets his children, nor does him any, nor does us any wrong. 13 years later, it comes clear. Yours might not come clear for 25 years or till you get to heaven. But faith must believe this. As for you, you brothers of mine who sold me into slavery, you meant evil against me. And that's what it feels like. For 13 years, that's what it felt like. But God meant it. Didn't just say used it. He meant it. They meant one thing. He meant another thing. And the it is the same thing. He meant the slavery. They meant the slavery. God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. God is faithful. Nothing happens to God's children in vain. That's the only solution I know of for fulfilling. Be patient with them all. I don't make any claim to be a great representative of that miracle, but I've tasted it. And I do believe that patience with the idle, patience with the faint-hearted, patience with the weak, in a way that honors Christ, is only possible through the supernatural strength of the Holy Spirit that comes through our trusting in the providence of God to turn every obstacle into a stepping stone to good and every detour that feels so frustrating into a pathway, a designed pathway towards something better than we can imagine.